Well, good morning. Good morning, church. What a great morning of worship. What a great time together. Happy Father's Day to all of those of us who are fathers. Uh, what a privilege it is to be a dad. I love my girls. I'm so blessed. And so i uh, just thankful for today and that we've come to worship our Heavenly Father this morning and just to reorganize our lives around His heartbeat for us. And I'm excited about today what God's going to teach us today. We're in a series called The Road Less Traveled. And in this series, we've kind of been looking at this poem that uh, Robert Frost wrote where he said, you know, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and it has made all the difference. And it's been amazing how that recurring theme I've heard this past week of it's made all the difference. So last week after the, after the sermon, after the message, a guy comes up to me and he says, you know, Pastor Jeff, I'm so excited. He goes, I just love Jesus. You know, I accepted Christ it was two years ago, exactly, here at church. And I gave my life to Christ, and he said, it has made all the difference. And then I ran to somebody on Monday, and I was out at lunch, and I ran to them, and they just, hey, Pastor Jeff, you know, we had moved, and they had moved to a different city. They used to be at Rolling Hills, and, and they said, I just got to tell you, we were so involved, and we were so excited about what God was doing at Rolling Hills, and we moved to this other city, and, and, and for about the first two years, it was so hard. We didn't have a church, and, and we were trying to figure life out, and our marriage was struggling, and we were struggling with our kids, and then we found a great church, and it has made all the difference. And I was like, yeah, it makes all, you know. And then I was at youth camp this week with the children, with the students, and it was awesome. And parents, you've got amazing kids, i got to tell you. I mean, they are just incredible. And we had so much fun. And to watch them growing in the Lord and building relationships. And, and after worship one night, one of the counselors came out and she said, Pastor Jeff, I just got to tell you, I didn't grow up with any of this. I didn't grow up, you know, being able to go to camp or, or do mission trips. And, and she said, I could see that in my life when I was in, you know, college and some of the decisions I made as a young adult. But here I am, and I love it. I love helping out. I love being involved. And she said, I can see in these kids' lives, having a spiritual foundation, it will make all the difference. And I just heard that recurring theme, and I thought, you know what? It is in our lives. We all have a choice to make. These two roads diverge, and, and yet there's a world that calls us and says, hey, come live this way. Everybody's doing it, right? You'll be cool. You'll be popular. You know, live the American dream. Make as much money as you can. Amass as much stuff as you can. You know, and, and yet there's a Savior who quietly beckons and says, come, follow me. I want you to have purpose. I want you to have meaning. I want you to know joy. I want you to know depth. Follow. And there's this tug in our heart and in our life. Which road will we take? Which way will we go? In our series, we've been walking through a book in the Bible called 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians is so good. I mean, it's just deep. It's rich. It was written by the Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey. And he comes to the city of Corinth. And while he's there, he has the opportunity to lead people to Christ. And their church is born. And some great people. And the church just starts to grow. It's exploding. I mean, it's kind of like what God's doing here. And just people are coming to know Christ. There's a joy. There's an energy. There's a passion. And Paul stays there for about 18 months. And the church is doing really well. And then Paul leaves and he goes over to Ephesus. And while he's in Ephesus, he starts getting reports back, and he's hearing reports about things that are going on in the church and how the church is kind of like drifting a little bit, you know? And the things of Corinth, of that city, you know, the main things in that city at that time, they were money. I mean, it was a seaport. It was an affluent area. It was human wisdom. It was Greek, you know, and Greek philosophy, but it was also pleasure. I mean, they had these temples to Aphrodite and temple prostitutes. And I mean, that was kind of a big deal there. And, and some of that was kind of drifting into the church. And so Paul's going, whoa, whoa, time out, time out, time out, time out. You are called to be different. <laughs> you are on a different road. You are on a different path. And so he writes this letter to try to challenge him and to encourage him. And we left off last week in chapter 4. 
And in chapter 4, Paul ends by saying, hey, listen, I'm your spiritual father. I'm your spiritual father. And I want you to know these things because I love you and I care about you. And so I want to unpack the word of God today as we talk about this. What does it mean to be a spiritual leader? What does it mean to pour into other people's lives? And we're going to see that truth. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, then Acts, Romans, then 1 and 2 Corinthians. Or maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the scriptures online. Or if you have a worship guide and you're taking notes. Or we're also going to put the words on the screen. And you can follow along with what God's Word has to say. It, this is a challenging passage. It's a difficult passage in these chapter 5 and chapter 6. But, but what I love about Paul is he demonstrates spiritual leadership. And he steps into some tough situations. You see, the fact is this, is that all of us, through Christ, are spiritual leaders. Now, you may not think of yourself as a spiritual leader. You may think of yourself as, you know, I don't know. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know, you know. No, 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 no. Listen, you are. God has given you areas of influence. If you're a dad, you are the spiritual leader of your home. If you're a mom, you are the spiritual leader for your children. You're, you're a spiritual leader. If you're a boss, you have employees. You have people that work with you and people who work for you. If you're a teacher, wow, you have tremendous influence. If you're a coach, if you're a high school student, you know, you're impacting middle school students. If you're middle school students, you're impacting elementary. If you're a small group leader, all of us have areas of influence, right? If you're on social media, you have areas of influence. You have friends on Facebook. You have Twitter followers. You got people who are liking you on Instagram. You have areas of influence. And so the Apostle Paul comes back and he says, hey, listen, as a spiritual leader, I'm going to step into a tough situation. I'm not going to abdicate my role and my responsibility. I'm going to step in as a father. I'm going to step into to a hard thing. And so you're going to see that unfold today. And the three roles that we'll see as a spiritual leader are this, to protect. And these are the big blanks, right? Protect provide the second one and the third one is to teach to teach now i want to give you a great definition of spiritual leadership okay because we all have this kind of idea of leadership and what leadership is and there's great definitions out there but spiritual leadership is this moving people onto god's agenda i love that henry blackaby right moving people onto god's agenda and so as a spiritual leader that our constant call in life is to help move people onto god's agenda if you're a parent you're moving your family, you're moving your children onto God's agenda, right? If you're a leader in the church, you're a leader in a small group, you're a leader at school, you're a leader at work, you're a leader at Helping people understand, process, and move on to God's agenda. And so that's what Paul does here. Pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Even in hard things, look at this. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that does not occur even among pagans. A man has his father's wife, and you are proud Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief and have put out of your fellowship the man who did this? Even though I'm not physically present, I am with you in spirit. And I've already passed judgment on the one who did this, just as if I were present. When you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit, and the power of the Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan, so that the sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit saved on the day of our Lord. Wow. That's hard, right? That's just a tough passage. Our worship team, they emailed me a few weeks ago and they said, hey, we're picking songs for Sunday. What, where are you going with this, you know? <laughs> I mean, how do we unpack this? This is just tough. I mean, this is really gross. I mean, you know, this man has his father's wife, okay? 
Now, notice it doesn't say his mom. That would be really terrible. This says his father's wife. So we don't know whether it was, you know, the dad dies and this is his stepmom and then this man, you know, and this stepmom are getting together. I mean, it's just, it's just a bad situation. And nobody in the church says anything. Right? I mean, nobody says anything. I mean, maybe this guy was a leader of the church. Maybe this guy was helping out and doing a lot of things. But nobody says something. So Paul, who's all the way over in Ephesus, hears about this. And he writes a letter. And he goes, guys, this is wrong. Stop this. This is crazy. Now, why does he do that? To protect the church. To protect the church. It was sin. And he knew that if it would infiltrate the church, people would think, oh, that's no big deal. It's okay. And he's going, no, 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 it's not okay. In fact, if you look in the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, Leviticus 18, the Bible says if this were to happen, you would take the two people out and stone them to death. I mean, this is serious. This is not good. But as a spiritual leader, all of us as spiritual leader, we have this call to protect. To protect those that we're leading. You know, if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, we have this call to protect. And that's what Paul's doing here. The other night, we had dinner and... Uh, and then Lisa, my wife, said, hey, let's go for a walk. And I said, all right, great. And so the girls were so excited. You know, we have three girls, 10, 7, and 5. And so we started out walking. And, and we were in a good mood. It was a great night. We were just kind of heading out. We were laughing. We were joking. And about a mile down the road, all of a sudden, boom, thunder. You know, we've had a lot of rain lately, right? Bam. And my, my little five-year-old, Kate, she just turns around. She's like, Daddy, hold me, you know. And I'm like, this is going to be a long walk back, you know. So I picked up Kate, and I'm holding her in my arms, and, and Grace and Mabry are holding on, and, you know, because they hate storms. They get scared. And, and Kate looks me in the face, and she's like, Daddy, what are we going to do? And I said, well, I said, we're not far from the clubhouse. You know, our neighborhood has a clubhouse. And I said, if it starts to rain hard, we'll go to the clubhouse. I'll drop you guys off, and then I'll run home get the car, and I'll bring it back and pick you up. And she looks at me and she says, why are you going to do that, Daddy? And I said, well, I'm the dad. You know? <laughs> it's my job. It's my responsibility. And she goes, well, you're going to get really wet. And I said, yeah. I said, but that's what I do. I protect you. I want to. And then she just looked at me and she just goes, thank you. I said, yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, it's just... That's what you do, you know. I mean, as a spiritual leader, you, you do that. You step into some tough situations, and, and sometimes that means sacrifice, but that's the call. And I, and I love that Paul, I love that Paul was brave enough. I love that he was brave enough that he wasn't going to shirk back from this responsibility. He was going to step into it. He says, I've got to protect you. I've got to protect the church. Now notice this, though. Look what he said at the end of this. He said, you know, hey, you know, tell the immoral guy, Hand him over to Satan. And that sounds, wow, that's so strong. But why? So that the sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. Paul was saying this, why? For his benefit. He was saying, if you just tolerate the sin, he's never going to change. So put him out so that, you know, he will understand the depth of what he's doing and the wrongness. And hopefully he'll repent and come back and there will be reconciliation. But he was also doing it to protect the church. He goes, guys, you can't just let this go on and on and on. When I was growing up, I was in eighth grade. I'll never forget this. In eighth grade, and there was a kid at church, and, and we had a great church and lots of, lots of kids and great children's and student ministry. It's so important. And, and so there was a kid, though, in eighth grade that I started to hang around with a little bit. And, and he wasn't a great kid to hang around with, right? I mean, you know, he was at church, but, you know, he just his language and everything else. And my parents started noticing in my life that, I, you know, I would use words that I didn't do. I wasn't as respectful. And, and finally one day my parents said, 
Jeff, here's the deal. You can't hang out with this kid. And I'm like, what? Come on. You know, and I'm a teenager, so I'm, you know, overdramatic. And I'm like, I hate you. My life is ruined. I can't believe this. You know, I mean, all those things. And, and my parents were like, no, you, you know, this is our church. We're not leaving church. This is our church. But, but listen, you can't hang out with this kid. And I thought, what am I going to do? Well, you know, there were a bunch of other cool kids at church as I'm hanging out with them. And my ninth grade year, we've got about 12 guys and, who just love the Lord. And man, we're all at different schools, all playing sports. And God just put me in this great group. And, and I'm growing spiritually. But I also watched this kid. And, and I would pray for him. And, but he kind of stopped coming to church. He wasn't there as much. And then I just watched his life and the decisions they were making. He got into drugs. He got into alcohol. It just, man, it's just this downward spiral. And finally, about my senior year, I, it dawned on me, and I, I looked at my parents, and I just said, Mom, Dad, thank you, <laughs> you know? I know that wasn't easy for you as a parent. I know it wasn't easy for you to step into the situation and say, hey, you can't hang out with this kid, but you did it, and it was the right thing. Thank you. Thank you. See, spiritual leaders, guys, at some points, you, you have to step in. And sometimes it's easier to kind of abdicate our responsibility and go, well, they'll figure it out. You know, it'll be okay. Sometimes it's not. And when the Holy Spirit prompts you, you step in to protect those that you love. Paul keeps going here. He says, hey, guys, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with the bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. Now, what's he talking about here? Well, you remember the Passover. The Passover happened back when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And God sent ten plagues against Pharaoh so that Pharaoh would let his people go. And the tenth plague was the death angel. Right? And he told the children of Israel, he told his people, he said, kill a lamb and put the blood over the doorpost of your home. And when the death angel comes, he will pass over your home. Right? Because you are covered in the blood of the lamb. And so the, the Jews would celebrate the Passover every year because that was the last plague and Pharaoh let them go and they went out and they ended up in the promised land and God's eternal grace and his glory. And so every year they would celebrate the Passover. Well, Jesus Christ as Paul says, is our Passover lamb. When Christ died on the cross, the lamb of God, the sacrifice was made for us. And when you accept Christ in your life as God draws you to himself, he places the blood of Christ over you. You are covered and the death angel passes over, right? You have eternal life, eternal life with God. It's a beautiful picture. But Paul says, hey, you remember that night at Passover? You eat the unleavened bread. You don't put yeast in it because you don't have time, because you're going to be moving, because God's calling you. Yeast in the scriptures was, was symbolizing, hey, of bad things that would go through the whole dough. And he goes, look, if you tolerate a little bit of sin, it's going to work itself through the whole situation. And you know that, and I know that. If, there, if you're in your workplace and there's some gossip that's happening and you just let it go, it just spreads to everybody, right? And one negative attitude just kind of starts to snowball. Or you're in a situation and people just are gossiping or people are criticizing or people are negative. And it just seems to like spill over on everybody. And he's saying, don't do that. Come on. You're different. You're in the church. Your life should look different. He says, I've written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Now, there was a previous letter before 1 Corinthians. We don't have that anymore, so this is 1 Corinthians. But he wrote a letter before that and says, hey, don't 
associate with sexually immoral people. But he said, let me clarify that. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. But now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or slanderer or a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man do not even eat. Now, th- this, is, this is so important. What Paul is saying is this. He goes, guys, you're not just to be a holy huddle, okay? It's not that I'm calling you and saying, hey, you, you're so perfect, you just turn in on yourself. John Wesley, he said, you know what? God knows nothing of a solitary religion. The church is in the world, but the church is not of the world. We don't go around and judge people who are not in the church because they're living in a moral lifestyle. That's what they do. You don't expect people who don't know Jesus to act like Jesus. I mean, you know, I mean, people who go and picket things, I'm just like, why? We're not called to judge, we're called to love. We're called to love. However, if you're in the church, there's a different standard, right? If you're in the church, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. But it means that we don't live that lifestyle. It means that there ought to be a difference in our lives, that we are called to be holy as God said, I am holy. And so Paul says, guys, get this. Because what business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? Are you not to judge those inside? See, God will judge those outside, but expel the wicked man from among you. Deal with it when it's in the church. Deal with it when there's sin present. Have you ever noticed if you have like a a crack in your house or in your apartment, or if you have something broken, how at first it really bothers you? You know what I'm talking about? You know, and you see it, and you're like, I got to get that fixed, right? I got to get that fixed. This really bugs me that there's a crack in the foundation, or it bugs me that there's a crack out here in the driveway, or, or that this is broken. And it just bugs you. And every time you see it for like the first two weeks, you're like, I got to get that fixed. I got to get that fixed. And then what happens? The tyranny of the urgent takes over, and you're busy, and life's crazy, and so you just kind of keep walking by, and you're like, yeah, it's a crack. Who cares? You know, and you're just like, it doesn't really bother me. It doesn't really bother me. This is broken. Yeah, whatever. You know, I've survived without fixing it lately, so I guess it's okay. And pretty soon, it's just there. Now, maybe you have that, you know. I mean, we have that. I'm like, you know, Lisa's like, you need to fix that. And I'm like, it's okay. It hasn't bothered us lately. But you know what Paul is saying? Fix the crack, you know. (laughs) Come on. Come on, church, deal with it, and a spiritual leader will step in. A spiritual leader does it to protect his family, the church, his small group, the place he works. A spiritual leader will step up. And it's not a holier-than-thou attitude. It's out of an attitude of love. It's out of an attitude of grace. It's out of an attitude of redemption and reconciliation. I'm not just going to sit here and watch your life go downhill. I care too much, and I love you. And I care about you. The second thing a spiritual leader does is provide. And, and you know what? If you're a dad, you know that provision thing because you kind of feel like your wallet's always open and, you know, people are coming <laughs> taking money all the time. It's like $5 here, $20 here. You know, it's like, what, what? But what Paul does is as a spiritual leader, he's pointing people to God. He's saying, God is your provider. God is your provision. Look at chapter 6. He says, if any of you has a dispute with another, dare he take it before the ungodly For judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, appoint as judges even men of little account in the church. I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to to judge a dispute between believers? 
But instead, one brother goes to law against another, and this in front of unbelievers. Now, remember this, that the Greeks, the Greeks loved rhetoric. The Greeks loved talk. You know, they would stand in the streets and they would debate with one another. They loved it, they loved it, they loved it. You know why? Because they didn't have anything else to do, right? They didn't have the World Cup to watch. They didn't have their shows that they had recorded that they had to go back and watch. They didn't have a social media. So they, they loved to just debate. That's what they would do. So they loved lawsuits. It was one of their favorite things, you know. When people would sue each other because you, you would have huge juries. Everybody would come and you would have one lawyer against another lawyer. And it was whoever could argue the best. But what they would do is that's the way they made money. You know, and so people would sue each other over needless things in order to try to make money off other people. And, and it was a way to shortcut things. And the Apostle Paul's going, time out. That's not what you're called to do. You don't take a shortcut here. You're called to be people of character and integrity and faith. God's going to provide for you. You don't have to go and sue somebody. Now, we live in a world where there are lawsuits, where things happen, and, and, and there are times we have to stand up for what's right. But he says, as far as it depends on you, you know what, you don't have to go that way. Figure out a way to do it differently. Figure out a way to err on the side of grace. Figure out a way to err on the side of mercy. You know what, don't just live like they do. Come on, you're different. That's why he says this. He says, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you've been de completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers. It's like, guys, you don't sue people in the church. I mean, you, you work it out. You talk it through. You, you, you have questions. If you're going to err, you err on the side of grace. I love how it says in the book of Romans, when it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. He's like, you don't have to take a shortcut. You know what he's saying essentially? God's going to provide for you. God's going to take care of you. Your faith and your trust is in God. So you live a life that reflects that. You know, sometimes we, we say that we believe in God and then we live a life like we're trying to do everything without God. And God's going, hold on, I'll take care of you. He goes, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And look at verse 11. And that's what some of you were. I mean, you think about our lives before we met Christ. You think about the way we lived. You think about what we did. He says, but you were washed you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. He goes, that's the way you used to live. But now you know Jesus. Now you're on the road less traveled. Now your life should look different. You know? Think about this. If God provided for you his son in salvation, do you think there's anything that God would withhold from you? I mean, if God provided Jesus so that we could have eternal life with him, do you think that God would then go, hey, well, good luck, figure the rest of it out. I'll see you in heaven, peace out, you know? No. God's going to take care of every one of our needs. In fact, it says that in Philippians, and our God will meet all of your needs, all, underline that in your mind. Our God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you're struggling. I mean, it's just hard. I mean, maybe life is hard, maybe marriage is hard, maybe financially it's hard. 
Listen, God hasn't given up on you. God's going to provide for you. God's going to take care of you. The same God who is drawing you to himself, the same God who is inviting you into a relationship with him, is the same God who promises to be with you through the good times and the tough times. God loves you. You were redeemed from an empty way of life. You were redeemed from being on this wide road. And you were brought into a new life. The old is gone and the new has come. And there is a God who with open arms says, follow me, trust me, I'll provide, I'll protect. I love you. Third thing a spiritual leader does is a spiritual leader teaches. Spiritual leader teaches. And the Apostle Paul sees this as a teachable moment. You know, if, if you're a parent or, or you're a, a boss, and, and you, you always seize those teachable moments, don't you? I mean, you look for those moments where you can speak truth into the life of your kids or into the people you work with. You can speak truth in. And, and Paul jumps on this, and he, and he teaches. And he says, guys, listen, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. It's a good word, right? Everything is permissible because of grace. Jesus died for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. Everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. <laughs> not everything's beneficial. I mean, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual morality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise, you also, raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. See, the Greeks had this mindset that the body was evil and the spirit was good. And so it really didn't matter what you did with your body, Right? Because the body was going to die, it was going to decay, so you could do whatever you want to with it. So, you know, temple prostitutes, orgies, whatever. But you know what? Your body's going to die and decay. It's really your spirit. If your spirit was right, then everything was fine. And Paul goes, no, 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 this is a teachable moment here. That is wrong. That is bogus, you know? I mean, if you unite yourself with somebody, there is more happening there. We have that in our culture today too, right? It's just sex. It's no big deal. It's just sex. And you go, wait a minute. No, it's really, there's more happening. I mean, it's not just physical. It's emotional. It's spiritual. There is a connection that's happening there that's bigger than just this one night stand or this one moment. And so Paul speaks truth and he teaches them. He goes, guys, get this. Don't just go and live that way. God has a bigger plan. God has a bigger purpose. You live like God wants you to live. And it's not that God's saying, I don't want you to have any fun. It's actually God saying, I want you to have a great life. I want you to experience an unbelievable life. I don't want you to have regret. I don't want you to have remorse. I don't want you to wake up kicking yourself all the time and living with these visual images in your mind. I want you to have peace and I want you to have purpose. I want you to have joy. Trust me, God says. That's why he says here, as he closes this chapter, flee sexual immorality. All of their sins a man commits are outside of his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Flee. <laughs> now, we don't like to flee, right? We like to flirt. <laughs> you know? We like to go, where's the line? I mean, how close to the line can I get? You know? Oh, this person's interested in me, man. They, I get those tingly feelings. I, I kind of like that. That makes me feel good about myself. How close to the line can I get? 
without going over. But we all know, you know, I mean, you get so close to that line, and next thing you know, you're heading down that path. And so Paul says, flee, run away, stop. Don't fall for that trick of Satan. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. He says, guys, listen. Your body, right, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. What you do with your body matters. The way you treat your body matters. But it's the Holy Spirit that God wants to work through you. You were bought with a price. Think about that. You were bought with a price. It's not a cheap grace. It's not a cheap grace. The the grace that we receive, it cost Jesus his life. He died on a cross for you and for me. You were bought at a price. And therefore, he says, honor God. Live a way that will bring glory to him. Live your life for him. As a spiritual leader, you know, we're moving people onto God's agenda. We're constantly saying, God, teach me. God, protect me. God, uphold me. But God, help me lead others. As a spiritual leader, you feel that weight sometimes, right? As a parent, you feel the weight you know, I mean, you have kids that are looking to you. As a boss, you feel that weight. As a teacher, you feel that weight. But you know what? There's a God who is for you. And there's a God through the power of his Holy Spirit who wants to lead through you and love through you. As your pastor, I just want you to know how much I love you. You know, and God's called me to, to pray for you, to protect, to provide, to teach. But, but I do it because I love you. And I want us to grow together. And by the grace of God... We were bought at a price. We have a Heavenly Father who loves us more than we could even imagine. And a Heavenly Father who protects us. And there's so many times in our lives that I believe God has protected us and we just didn't even know. You know? Or we can look back on our lives and see areas where we go, wow, man, that could have been me. And God protects us. God provides for us. And God's constantly teaching us and drawing us close to his heart. You know what, Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed right before he went to the cross. He pulled all of his disciples together and just his spiritual leadership and his wisdom and he brings these guys together and what does he do? He says, guys, let's share the Passover meal together. Now Jesus knew these guys were scared to death. He knew what was about to happen. He knew that they were going to scatter. He knew what was going on in their lives. He knew this was just a pivotal point. And so right there, he pulls them together and he demonstrates this love. He demonstrates this grace. He demonstrates this spiritual leadership. He protects, he provides, he teaches. He takes a loaf of bread and he breaks it. And he says, guys, this is my body. It's broken for you. There's a price that's going to be paid for you, for your salvation, for your eternity, that you will be with God. But I'm going to pay the price. My body, broken. After supper, he took the cup. He said, the cup, this is the new covenant. You were under the old covenant, right? You sinned, you messed up. Go back to Leviticus 18, man. You were taken outside the camp and stoned to death. But, but, but listen, there is a new covenant of reconciliation. There's a new covenant that when you sin, when you mess up, there's grace. And God drawing you to himself. Take and drink in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so what better way today to celebrate Father's Day than by coming to his table. A heavenly father who loves you, who believes in you. I'm going to invite some of our A6 men right now. These are men in our church 
who are spiritual leaders. I'm going to invite them to move to the tables. Uh, they're men who pray over all the prayer requests. They're men who visit the hospital. They're men who, if you have something going on in your life and you need help, that's what they're there for. But in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come to the table. To take a piece of the bread and to break it. And I want you to listen as it's broken. Christ's body broken for you. And dip into the cup his blood poured out for you. And receive the gift that only God can give. This is a moment for you. This is a moment for you to worship. Maybe you just want to say thank you God for your protection in my life, for your provision. Thank you God that you're not a God who just sets the world in motion and says hey figure it out. But you're a God that leads me and guides me. Maybe today you just want to pray. Pray for your marriage. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. But this is your time. This is your time with God. There's a station over here. There's one in the middle. This is a gluten-free station on this side. There's two tables in the back. But let me pray for us. And then you'll be invited to come and to receive. Father, thank you for your presence. Oh, God. Thank you that you love us so much to step into our lives, even when they were a mess and out of control. And God, sometimes they still are, Father. And yet, by your grace and for your glory, you come to us and you meet us and you love us. Thank you for your protection, for your provision. Thank you for all that you do. And so, Father, on this Father's Day, we just want to respond back to you. We want to give you the praise that you deserve, and we want to say thank you for loving us. Oh, how you love us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we come to your table right now. Amen. You're invited to come to his table.